Welcome to Podcasting's Praxis. I'm David, and I am here with Rob. Hello. Elijah. Hi, how's it going? James. Ah, uh, hello. I'm here. My throat is very sore. And Ben. Hello. How are we all doing? Apart from a sore throat. <laughs> Super high energy here today, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bro. I mean, in fairness, me and James have, have just... Um, we're just coming off the end of the, the production process of the <laughs> Peter Jordison mockumentary, and it, it was long. It was a long and grueling process, but Aye. I hope it was worth it. Excited to hear that. Um, if you haven't already listened to that, away you go. Get that done. So the day we're recording this, we're recording this on the 30th of August, which just so happens to be exactly one year since we released our first episode. Yay! Yay. Wonderful! Fancy that! Woo! I know, fancy that. So, well, we're not getting this episode out on the year. Um, <laughs> that um, would require foresight and planning. <laughs> that, yeah. What we've got for you is basically a look back at the last year. And we thought that we would not quite copy We Don't Talk About The Weather, but props for the idea, guys. Thanks very much. Um, we would do some awards effectively for some of the highlights from the last year from when we started. Oh, so we're not doing a clip show, David? No, we're not doing a clip show. The reason we're not doing a clip show is because I don't hate myself that much. <laughs> Imagine having to listen back to every single episode we've done for a year. Yeah, nearly 70 plus hours <laughs> of... Imagine listening to this podcast. <laughs> Imagine making this podcast. Um, yeah, all right. So, will we just... Um, Will we just get stuck in? Yeah, let's yeah. get stuck in. Let's go for it. Go on. Great. Okay, so we I should should actually point out before we before we do get stuck in, we conducted this in an entirely democratic fashion. Yes. We commissioned with, um, you guys to do a big poll for us. <laughs> we um we decided together on the categories that we would have. We decided together on exactly who would win them all through a series of votes. And um, as you'll know, as we go through this, it proves that uh, democracy doesn't work. So there is a moral story here as well. <laughs> We're an educational like- podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Let's fuck that to the side for one moment and we'll just get stuck into the first. So the first award is the David Aronovich Polyurethane Jacket Award for Most Deeply Inspected Wallet. <laughs> this was a very tough category. This there was, was a lot yeah. of high competi- competition. There was. There really, there really was. There was so many wallets inspected. Um, but we will... What we'll do is we'll discuss the winner and then we will discuss some of the other candidates that didn't quite make the cut. So the winner of the David Aronovich Polyurethane Jacket Award for Most Deeply Inspected Wallet is... Drumroll. Joe Swinson. Woo! Yeah! Congratulations, Joe. I'm sorry, I don't don't recognise that name. Is that that the civilian identity of the squirrel murderer vigilante? (laughs) Yes. Yes. She usually hides out in her secret lair, the Swin Zone. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, the Swin Zone. Oh, God. Do you know it? Hang on, this has got legs to it when you think about it. Like, Batman is in a bat cave and he's got like a bat car and a bat everything. And sure enough, Joe Swinson basically has everything branded after her as well. Hang, hangs so. out in a forest, essentially, is she? 
It's just a shame she doesn't actually live in Swindon. <laughs> Not just because it would make sense for the job, but it would also mean that she's further away from me. Yeah, <laughs> big mood. I think the, the Swindon is the extraplanetary dimension that she sort of evaporated to when she lost the her seat oh no you're, you're thinking you're thinking of when she was banished to the phantom zone at the Lib Dem conference <laughs> <laughs> no no but you're like I've it, it, my mind does not completely deceive me right like the swind zone was an actual thing that during um, the Lib Dem election <laughs> yes. campaign like you could get selfies taken with Joe yeah. Swinson and others in like that yes. little booth in <laughs> the swind zone <laughs> Christ Imagine uh, wanting a selfie with Joe Swinson. I uh, I don't know. I'd get one just for comedy purposes. You're you're you look. I'm sorry. You're being very harsh on her because you're you, you're using the benefit of hindsight here. At the time, it was perfectly reasonable and legitimate to refer to her as future prime minister Joe Swinson, <laughs> right? And all the people who got photos taken, they were just they were sealing their moment in history. That's what they were there for. And look, you you might say, well, like we now know. We now know it was a farcical, stupid idea from the very start that the Lib Dems could ever, like, directly govern and that Joe Swinson, of all fucking people, would be Prime Minister. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, you're not a prophet. No one could have seen that coming. To, to be fair, to be fair there, James, I know someone who has had a selfie taken with Boris Johnson, like, when he was just starting out as Mayor of London, and look at him now. <laughs> exactly. But, exactly. I mean... So yeah. you've seen that the reason that Joe Swinson's not Prime Minister is because she failed to get a picture with this guy. <laughs> oh my God, the power. <laughs> Who is this? Is he a comrade? This is very important. Uh, it's a she, and I don't think so. Uh-huh. Oh, it's no. also got like a 10-year waiting period, so... <laughs> but they, yeah, uh, but you do have to. I mean, there was an actual brief moment in time where, especially the like the Guardian and and its readership and a lot of other people really did think that there was like such a thing as as Joe Swinson either being PM or like having the you know that the Lib Dems would play kingmaker again in a new coalition. Um, and my favorite reason is, and that's one of the reasons why I think she's won this category of having her wallet inspected, is that there was one poll. Um, like just one uh, done by a Lib Dem donor of all people that said that Lib Dems would uh, win between 73 and 219 uh, seats at the 2019 GE. And 219? Yes, yes. And then like they believed that one poll so much that they built their entire election uh, strategy around it. And like they spread the money into like over 100 seats into instead of, you know, like the six they got in the end. So... It is genuinely amazing. And there was that moment where she was supposed to be, you know, the the, the the new prime minister or the new president, essentially. It's got the strong Lib Dem energy where they've just believed their own bullshit polls that kept yes. coming out. The, 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 the fucking fake ones about uh, so-and-so can't win here. That when it happened to them, they're just like, oh, yeah, this is what polls are actually like. This is what you know, a poll exists and is real when it's good for us. Because well, they uh, the warped charts. reality around themselves. It's the thing about it is it's in, it's incredibly on brand for this decade because uh, you know we had we had Clegmania, and <laughs> by the rule of first as tragedy and then as farce, we inevitably <laughs> had to get Joe Swinson as well. You know, yes, people going nuts over Nick Clegg, and the joke of it is Nick Clegg actually managed to, well, I don't know. I, I want to say make something of himself, but I don't want to apply positive connotations to that. He managed to get in as deputy PM, whereas Joe Swinson, she's the farce, you know? 
Nick Clegg being deputy PM was a tragedy. Joe Swinson (laughs) thinking she could, you know, possibly do the same or even better. That's the farce. And and Joe Swinson putting her her face on the side of that fucking election bus, if you remember. (laughs) You know, where she really made this, this... uh, sort of presidential style campaign where it was all about Joe and what she was going to do for you and everybody was like oh no wait we fucking hate you it was another example of the failed Ruth Davidson campaign because what everyone who tries to do the Ruth Davidson thing forgets that they're not Ruth Davidson <laughs> yeah it's if you're going to do a charismatic like leadership focused campaign you need to have charisma and a likable leader and what that campaign showed us is the more people learned about Joe Swinson, the less they liked her. She's just a deeply unlikable person. Wasn't there a thing that came out recently, an internal sort of review of the Lib Dem campaign? And even the Lib Dem's own internal review thing said that that Swinson just um, kept pissing people off. Yes. There was something deeply unlikable about her. Yes. Which is just, it's, it's, it's just mind boggling. I think there's potential for some kind of like extended universe parallel dimension thing, some kind of Mandela effect where poles mean the opposite of what they are. And you could actually become prime minister as a Lib Dem, just this completely detached, um, you know, sort of sci-fi moving through universes thing, trying to will it into existence. To be fair, right, she was really good with the media. <laughs> So, some strange news today. Squirrels. Uh, slingshots. All very odd. Uh, not yeah. news. <laughs> not true. You know, just total b****s, frankly. <laughs> oh, God. And this is when the parallel universe catches up with her. Right? Where an alternate reality manifests despite her attempts at controlling it. <laughs> so, basically, you're proposing the sliders theory of a liberal democrat political economy. Is that about right? I think the swin zone is real. It's parallel. Like, Elijah. Elijah, mate, I love you. We all love you. But not even Joe Swinson thinks the swin zone is real now. No, no, no. In fairness, the swin zone is real. It's not a parallel reality, though. It's a perpendicular one. <laughs> it intersects with our reality at exactly one point and one point only. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, so that, that um, there, there was that one poll... Um, that put them between 73 and 219 seats and she she put everything on it she just spent fuck it that'll do so they spent like all of their election money which i don't really know how much that really is like well not enough to contest much, 219 seats that's for damn sure not in, well it wasn't been anyway because they spent the money in 100 seats rather than actually like concentrating on the seats that locally their um their party was telling them and that's never going to fucking work. Like, especially with the Lib Dems, because the Lib Dems are famously, like, really good, eh, electorally at least, um, when it comes to, like, how to do things locally and stuff. Like, the local parties are really, really switched on with how to actually get somebody fucking elected. And they just went, ah, but we have central polling. And they just went with that. So they threw away the one advantage that Lib Dems ever fucking have because Joe Swinson went at it and looked at it and went, oh, that's really good for me. Fucking hell. To be fair, it's, it, I mean, it's not that they're switched on getting local councillors elected, it's just they latch on to like one specific thing and hammer it for five, ten years and eventually get in. I think I remember... Once they're in, though, they're in. 
sorry, I think I remember one of the early episodes we did about a year ago uh, on the Lib Dem electoral campaign. And one of the things that I just kept coming back to was how profoundly incompetent the campaign was and how many bad decisions they actually made. And it, that, that just ended up being a, a recurring point. But I mean, well, <laughs> do I have something for you? Oh, oh please tell me. <laughs> Get treats. Do you know who it was that done a massive contribution to the, the Lib Dem manifesto? Oh, contributions. Is that what they're calling it now? <laughs> <laughs> Chuka Amuna. <laughs> I forgot about him. He torpedoed his, his career in Labour. He then managed to fucking completely torpedo a, a new centrist party. And then he went on to be allowed to torpedo the Lib Dems and... <laughs> Joe Swenson went, this is the man. Yeah. <laughs> whenever whenever I hear Chukumuna, I just hear it to the tune of Akuma Matata. And then immediately a singing chorus in my head goes, it means no constituency. You know, just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> For the rest of your days. <laughs> yeah. It works, yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, it won't be because yeah. he's he's away being like a... You, yeah, I was going to uh, say, you know, with that fucker in the dark. He ended up with, uh, with Edelman, which is like a giant corporate PR firm. They are just fucking bottom-feeding scum. That's right, that's right. He sells people on why their water's being poisoned or whatever. Aye. But why it's good their water's being poisoned, because Edelman's really yeah. fucking expensive. Well, who are the runners-up, David? Runners-up, so... Um, my favourite um, of the runners-up, at least, because Joe Swinson did have to win this, um, was the Labour Soft Left. Yes. The Labour Soft Left for voting for Keir Starmer. Every one of them wallet-inspected. <laughs> it's quite impressive. It's like a paradox. They have a bottomless wallet, and yet they manage to have it inspected completely thoroughly. <laughs> and voluntary yep. as well. Like, they're sort of cheering on the wallet inspectors. I mean, it's it's yeah. almost an oxymoronic paradox that anything calling itself left in any way, even a soft left, would end up in this situation or or, or do what it's done and vote for Starmer. And I think the soft we've... left as a term is um, actually means embarrassed centrist. Yeah, yep. it, it, it's one of those things. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think we've been seeing something of a gradual kind of scales falling off the eyes, you know, like, you know, showing the true faces masks off kind of thing with, with just how heavily they're going into relitigating the entire Corbyn um, uh, leadership era and just like mm. pulling out any kind of lie they can, any, you know, completely out there. Apparently, uh, uh, Labour hasn't been neck and neck with the Tories since, what, 1997? Is that one of those uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, fucking articles that came out today? Just, yeah. they're, they're just completely memory-holing anything, you know, good or, or any of the arguments for actually having a, a, a more radical left-wing um, Labour Party campaign. Not that it matters anymore. I think we're kind of past, you know, we've crossed the Rubicon on that. But their their insistence for just being more anti-left than, than actual pro-Starmer or, or like pro-soft-left, I think, betrays a lot of um, the true intent, uh, true intent, True intentions behind um, this kind of fucking demographic, and it's incredibly irritating. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they had the whole follow back pro Europe thing, but let's be honest: from the beginning, it was basically follow back open wallet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was just who they were. You know, it didn't matter who you were and what your history was. You could be Ken fucking Clark, right? And as long as you said, "Well, oh, you know, 
I'm I'm in favor of of Europe, and that's it. Wallet inspection time. It's like they were just totally credulous towards anyone who even vaguely. It's like you know how you know how little small children when they're in the crib, you can grab their attention by like waving a shiny toy at them and go, "Ooh, look at the shiny yeah, yeah. thing!" And go, <laughs> like, you know, they'll play with a Playmobil. <laughs> the whole follow back pro Europe thing is basically the Playmobil for credulous, <laughs> soft left, really centrists. Yeah, I have kept to- happening with toys as well. Yep. Ken Clark, Dominic Grieve. You see, exactly, it's the same thing as the resistance libs over in the United States, who are all like, oh yeah, Colin fucking Powell, he sounds like a man of principle <laughs> since he's standing against Donald <laughs> Trump. Yeah. Jesus. It's like when uh, when Anna Subri became a national hero for two days because she was now a FUBP resistance leader. Uh, <laughs> but that, speak- that was part of its reaction, yeah. <laughs> but speaking of, uh, of of most wallet inspected, my pers- one of my personal favorite was Elizabeth Warren. Who just <laughs> got <laughs> first, you know, thought was convinced by other people that she she could really mount a credible campaign when both Bernie um, and Biden were in the fight, so she wouldn't get squeezed out, and then also getting just pissed on by, from a great hype by the Biden team uh, once he won, because obviously, like they prob- probably promised her something or other, and just completely baby brained her way out of there. Um, extraordinary stuff, really. I genuinely don't know. I don't know whether whether Elizabeth Warren was like wallet inspected or whether she was just incredibly cynical, right? Because she stayed in that race to be a wrecker for Bernie Sanders. So there is a possibility of the whole reason she got in it to begin with, right? Was she realized, oh, you know, Bernie's running and I should probably stay in there to make sure we don't go socialist. So it's like, mm. I don't know. That's why I didn't vote for Elizabeth Warren when we were doing this thing, because it's impossible. She's like, she's a perfectly black or, you know, black isn't really the right term. I was going to say a, black, a perfectly black box, but I think it's, she prefers to be known as a perfectly First Nations box these days. I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a certain point where the benefit of the doubt of her, you know, actually being an earnest campaigner kind of goes out the window because she's still in it past any reasonable point. And that's mm-hmm. where you think someone's probably had a word. If they hadn't had before, if it wasn't cynical from the beginning, at some point, any any benefit of the doubt goes out the window and she is absolutely in it um, for cynical purposes, for wrecking purposes. But a cynic who's doing a campaign like that would probably expect to get something out of it. And the fact that she's yeah. getting nothing, zip nada, to me is still quite funny. And even if she wasn't like, you know, like, like promised something and was completely fooled in and had her wallet fully inspected, she still had it inspected in the sense that she's allowed herself to be weaponized by someone who does not give a flying fuck about her and will not give her any like actual benefits from no. it whatsoever. And you remember that like after she was tanking in the last couple of states, there was also that weird like... Um pro elizabeth pack that came up out of nowhere to support her and she was mm-hmm. just like oh no it's because these people really like me and it's like no they're doing it to make you stay in the race so you can split the bernie vote you fucking dullard no i mean that mm. i mean again that's the public kind of explanation of it i don't know she did get one thing out of it though which is that you know she knew where her class interests lay yeah ultimately that's it so yeah fuck elizabeth Warren. True. yeah david who else was on the shortlist <laughs> <laughs> also in the shortlist we have James O'Brien and his listeners. <laughs> so this is like a kind of multi-level marketing yeah, yeah. wallet <laughs> inspection thing. <laughs> oh no! Wherein James O'Brien inspects the wallets of all of his listeners that really like him, and then 
James O'Brien then gets his wallet inspected by the political establishment. It's it's wonderful. It's, it it's checks just out. absolutely fucking that's, wonderful. Mwah, that's brilliant, David. That's superb. <laughs> that is the perfect explanation. I, I love it. Your unified theory of James O'Brien and his listeners is superb. <laughs> the physics of it. It's like, you know how, you know, in mathematics, you, you, sometimes you see a formula and you go, that's just, I don't quite, I can't quite express what that means in human terms, but it's just beautiful on paper. That's that. You've done that. That's great. And it works too, because his, his army of listeners would go out and would try and recruit others that they could then be the source of wisdom to, who they were then getting it from James O'Brien. It's, it's wallets all the way down. Infinite <laughs> inspectors. <laughs> it's wallets all the way down. <laughs> I've definitely had people try to quote James O'Brien at me and just say, oh, come on, just, just let me have a look at your wallet. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to look... <laughs> You don't have to give me anything, just let me look at it. But this, but this is also one of the things that sort of frustrates me so much about these people. I mean, why they are so easily convinced. It's like, James O'Brien has a team that screens his callers to get like him the most like dumbass, soft-brained, you know, incoherent Brexiteers on. And then, then he just sits there like a smug cunt and goes, huh, well, actually, our trade uh, with the EU grew 3.5% over mm-hmm. two years. I bet you didn't know that. And it's just like... Who the fuck is this going to convince James? You're just you're playing to the audience, and it's really fucking frustrating. At least, I mean, the Sun does that too in the Daily Mail and whatever that new uh, radio channel is again. But it's like at least they they're not pretending to be anything other than just reactionary hate machines. With you people, it's just like hey, we are the center of reasoned argument. But but that's the thing because he shares a platform with you know like he's on LBC with, with people Nick like Nigel Ferrari. Farage yeah and 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 these apps like 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 people who are directly responsible for the kind of brain poisoning you know insane like completely um, right wing gammon bullshit that he mocks on his show and listeners somehow d- never manage to connect the fucking dots like he is not actually on your side he is not actually advocating. Or, or, or trying to improve things because he is it's creating a, a more powerful and bigger platform for the people who cause this fucking mess to begin with. You know, if you're a fucking remain obsessed, uh, fub pee, fucking empty wallet having dipshit, <laughs> he, he is, he's part of the problem Can because I of the out? way the hegemonic fucking narrative structures work. Okay. Let's move on to the next award. Woo! So, the, the next award is the Gene Simmons at the End of Runaway, 1984, director Michael Crichton, <laughs> award for most bespidered brain. <laughs> who, who let Jamie write these? <laughs> Jamie, let Jamie write these and we'll just leave, it, just leave it like that. No one lets Jamie do anything. No one stops Jamie from doing anything. Just, just let Jamie be Jamie. It's easier. Oh god, I'm now picturing Jamie in the fucking West Wing with the whole let Bartlett be Bartlett oh. bullshit they did. Except it's fucking Jamie. It's Jamie all these libs are basing their campaign around. For some I could imagine, like, it's on, written on that napkin, right? It's like, let Bartlett be Bartlett, let Jamie be Jamie, but then, like, at the end of it, he just eats it with the napkin for some reason. <laughs> so the winner of... The Gene Simmons at the end of Runaway, 1984, director Michael Crane, award for most the brain, is the J.K. Rowling and Graham Linehan hive mind. Hmm. Just transphobes then. Congratulations. Oh. Pretty much, yeah. Just um, the the loudest tribe on rainy fash turf island. Yeah, I mean it is transphobes, but it's a it's a it's a special kind of transphobe where 
they gradually get increasingly sucked into this weird cult that preys on people's like fears and traumas in a very manipulative, very cynical, very evil way. And it ends up having like complete identity makeovers for them. No, mm. you're misreading it. You're misreading it. You're trying to explain it with like, you know, reference to actual sociological phenomenon like persuasion of people's <laughs> attitudes. That's not what's going on. What happened is Gray and Linehan, whilst his skin suit was still functional, he ran into J.K. Rowling at one of her high society parties and she's like, oh, I really enjoyed your writing on Father Ted. And he said, yes, yes, I did. And he held his hand out to her. And, you know, why would she expect there was anything wrong there? But she took his hand and one of the spiders that had crawled down at his ear just skittered across their wrists. <laughs> and then later that night as she slept, the hive expanded into the soft, soft, so soft tissue of her brain. It's all one hive. It's all one hive. one hive. And as one host is, you know, consumed from within and loses its usefulness and gets banned off Twitter, then the other steps forward. <laughs> it is. That's why. That's why J.K. Rowling is being stripped of a, you know, a human rights award. Yeah. And it's just like, at no point does she go, oh, am I the baddie? Am I the villain? <laughs> no, of course not. Instead, she goes, oh, well, I better get ahead of that and tell him I'm giving it back. Well, she's being stripped of a human rights award and just getting constantly bodied on Twitter. As the as the new host or new prime host for the hive, <laughs> um, the the cast out husk of Graham Linehan is like intensely divorced. Um, <laughs> like so, hang on. There's like degrees of divorce. There's like no, there are degrees of divorce. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like degrees of political baldness as well. Like yeah, final divorce dad <laughs> Just, level. That picture of him picking up carbonara ingredients for one at the supermarket is just fucking <laughs> one of the best things that's ever been produced online. <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Whereas the previous divorce dad scale ran up to uh, Milhouse's dad. Now runs up to Kraven <laughs> head. He really is sleeping in the cool race car bed now. I mean... 3.6 Van Houten's not great, not terrible. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So, like, he's he's intensely divorced. He has been booted off Twitter, and to to the point where he's now making like um, alt accounts on Mumsnet to try and back up his little post, saying, "Please come post on my alternative social media outlet." Well, um, well, not only that, like, he's been banned from Twitter, but like, I had a look at his his blog because that's that's what I do. Um, it's, it's a very close place, and all it is, by the way, is short entries about things he reads on Twitter and can't respond to anymore. So he writes them <laughs> oh, on his blog. <laughs> Oh, amazing. Amazing. It's like when someone gets banned off a forum 10 years ago and they go and set up a new forum to post about the forum they're banned from. Yeah, with hookers and blackjack where they're going to... Yeah, that's... that's, My my forum's going to be even better. Oh, man, it's like... You know how... You know how the cordyceps fungus, I think I'm saying it right, that infects like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, certain yeah. insects and it like takes them and the insects don't know why they're doing what they're doing, but they, they climb that tree branch and they go out on the limb and they just hunker down there and then they slowly lose sentience as the fungus grows out of them. That's what he's doing, isn't it? He's like, he's tapping out his uh, must, must reply, must reply on Twitter kind of thing. And he doesn't know why. It's just Twitch response. It's his deep brain completely subverted by the hive. It's just going post, post, post. And it's far outstripped its purpose. He's outlived his usefulness, but he'll die in that state. 
with that fungus spewing out of his fingertips to a wind that's long blown past him. A lot, lot, lot of glass houses around here right now. Shall we move on to the uh, to the nominations for the uh, most spider brain? Yeah, category? so the failed failed nominations. Um, the first one, uh, Joe Biden and Donald Trump. A close second, if I recall correctly. Yes, yeah. mm, it was. Yeah, a close close second because you could you could see the spiders breaking through Biden's eyeballs. At, yeah, they're accurately representing a dying planet with a dying brain. <laughs> mm, yeah. Um, nothing really to be said there. I think we've covered it well enough before anyway. <laughs> Other candidates, um, Dan Hodges. For having Corbin spiders? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, Just imagine little tiny spiders with beards who offer you their jam now. <laughs> all collectively working in the same veg patch. Like they're all, you know, like hundreds the of them carrying brain. one courgette. So you're saying that Corbin spiders are the spiders from arachnophobia that work as a hive in a colony. <laughs> Another contender from the, the world of people who get paid to say words that probably shouldn't. Um, Sophia Moneycoots. Yeah, who is this? I didn't I didn't this is I didn't follow this one. Not a real person, surely. <laughs> I'm afraid that is actually a real name. That that is a real name of a real person. But is her name really Money Coots? Yes. No. 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 I'm sorry. Just no. This is, this is a character character somebody's dreamed up. She's from a family that owns the bank that the Queen banks with, and she writes articles about how tough life is for millennials like her. Aren't you sure that she writes like, them for the Times? Are you sure that like her name isn't like dollar yen money money uh, <laughs> coochie? I mean, I've I've been pronouncing it money coats. That that's a Scrooge uh, McDuck character. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I mean, you, you laugh, but well, I can't, I can't say how you should pronounce her name. I know her fiance's name is pretty interesting. I believe it's um, Stephen Fiscal Conservatism, if I recall correctly. <laughs> so, the final nomination that we had that didn't quite make it was Megan McCain. Just McCain spiders are hereditary, so that's no surprise. Was was McCain? Like the original McCain, the real McCain, the real McCoy McCain, was he? Was he bespidered? I don't think he was. I think he was just an arsehole. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was an arsehole. And to be honest, Megan McCain's brain spider issues, I think, were a bit more forceful in the year previous to yes. this past year. Um. So, but 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 she has managed to sort of you know, like like sneak in on the tail end of that. Um, Sorry, can I just briefly go back to Sophia Money Coots because I still don't think she's a real person. I just went, she has her own personal website and like the headline is Sophia Money Coots and then directly underneath it with a little asterisk that says an actual person and a writer, not a made up character. Now, I'm sorry, but that is what a made up character would say. It's just nice. my not a made up character t-shirt has people asking a lot of questions <laughs> as for the t-shirt. Uh, someone, someone ping rebooted Steph and see if that's real if it turns out she's not real we should put ourselves in the deeply inspected wallet category for next year <laughs> right that'll do that category then yeah. so a special category one with no discussion really required um, the special adrenochrome award for longevity goes to Henry Kissinger Whey, the world well criminal extraordinaire now obviously we're only giving him that award to ensure that by us putting that down in the recording, he's dead by the time this is released. So you're welcome. One can only hope. So David, what's the next category? 
Please. So, the next category is that he's got to have the fire in his belly and a broad portfolio of stocks and property award for best pro whisperer. <laughs> so this is the award of pretend pro who ten who wishes to speak for the red wall or something. But it's not for who's the most pretendy pro, it's for who is able to speak. Or at least who is able to pretend to speak for the pros. That's why Andrew Twentyman didn't make it in, because he's the best pretend pro. Ah, okay, yes. Is that, yeah. Yes, yeah. that's correct, yes. So, the best pro whisperer, the winner, was Labour's own Jess Phillips. Hey. Congratulations, Jess. Hard-fought category. Jess Phillips obviously wins this award because she has an accent, and that makes any other distinctions about her class relationship to any material circumstances null and void she says bab we could do an entire episode on the perverted way in which class discourse is shaped in the UK by entirely superficial kind of cultural signifiers um, yes. that, that completely distract from the actual class relationship whether you own the means of production or not uh, if you want to be very reductive about it um, but but, but Elijah, she doesn't sound like she's from London. No, and she drinks council pop. Oh, uh-huh. oh, fuck me. That was about drinking water or something, wasn't it? Tap water, yeah. Yeah, tap water. Jesus tap water, Christ. Right. Right. And why, why call it pop? It's not fizzy. It's not, it's not pop. It's not fizzy. <laughs> if you really... Council juice, right? If you really need to go with council juice, it's not fucking council <laughs> pop. Because, David, no one actually calls it that. No one ever called it that. It is, it, like, she has ginned it up. She was sitting in a meeting with a bunch of people looking at her expectantly, like, ah, Oracle, Prol Whisperer, you know, please, please, Pythia, speak to us. Pythia, tell us of these great, great foretellings from, from the dark heartlands of the north. And she went, well, I would, but my throat's a bit dry. Well, she just, oh, would you like a glass of water? <gasps> water? You call it water? Back in the dark highlands where I was raised, fairly, we call it council pot. Ah, uh, furious scribbling. You said you said Pythia there, but what you actually meant was Ithia. Well, this ah, <laughs> what? Yeah, is that how it's actually pronounced? No, no, it's not. But Jess Phillips' pronouns are I and me. <laughs> that is the most tortured joke you've ever done on this. Well, it's like <sighs> the, 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 the. I'm just resetting the balance after the yeah. multi-level market. Bit. Just, just for the record, we all know she's from Birmingham, Birmingham, and not the north, right? <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. We know that, but for people questioning her, they don't know that. Uh, they don't know uh, the difference. It's, it's not quite that, even though it's that to be a pro whisperer, it's, it's not decided on. It's decided by the media and Brit large, and the media decides that anything north of the M25 is the north. Yeah, that's true. Yep. It's yeah. it's, it's, it's Westminster bubble pish, and that's that's how she's able to simultaneously be from Birmingham and the north. Bubble pish. That's what they call lager up there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh fuck! So yeah, I mean, some of the we've got a lot on Jess Phillips here um, because it's 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 very easy, and she just will not stop. It is um, fucking shooting fish in a barrel with Jess Phillips. That is true. Really, yeah. So we'll just run through. I think a lot of our um, a lot of our best kind of because the thing is, she didn't win this award for doing a specific thing. She won this award because she's just constantly on it, just eternally. Yes. 
mm-hmm. the avatar of the working class as decided by people who aren't working class. Um, so, like, let's just let's just run through the crimes of, shall we? We'll just a little mock show trial without a payoff. Um, so she's friends with Jacob Rees-Mogg. Can we start with a little bit of fun, which is her leadership bid in 2019? Which no, <laughs> no, we're going to end on the fun. So eat your vegetables first, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> so she's friends with Jacob Rees-Mogg, who she described as a real gent. This was right around the time when he was heavy on like his anti-abortion tirade or something, wasn't it? As well, it was. It was, it was just like bad, like the worst possible time as well that she could have yeah, picked. Yeah, I mean, he's not really heavy on anything. He's he's a streak of piss in a fucking <laughs> top coat. Um, but I, I like he's never not on a normal one and. Jess Phillips is perfectly happy to support someone who is constantly on such a normal one. The classic telling Diane Abbott to fuck off and then it turns out that she didn't tell her to fuck off. What was meant to be achieved by that? Does anyone actually, has anyone managed to decode the sequence of events? No, it's it's really obvious, right? What she was basically promoting herself as is she was promoting herself as Baz Phillips, right? That (laughs) was racist, right? And yeah, you know, she was being the avatar of Baz Phillips, you know? The sort of guy would be like, yeah, it's not real England anymore, is it? Like that kind of garbage that they behave as mm. online. She's channeling that. And so, you know, she's thinking, oh, if I say I told Diane Abbott, the most prominent black politician in the UK, I'd say, but I told her to fuck off, then all the racist northerners will, will totally flock to my banner. That's what that was all about. Yeah. Because she hadn't mm. actually done it because she's a coward. Yeah, it's it's racist <laughs> street cred. It's yeah, such a cockroach, that's, that's, it's such a fucking shitty cockroach thing to do. Like, not only mm. the most prominent black um, politician, but also the one who receives the most abuse by far. Of, of More of, abuse of, than all other yeah. MPs combined. Who, who, who gets her own fucking, you know, like, column in the abuse tallies because it outweighs everyone else by such a high number. And just to, 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 to try and capitalize on that for a fucking brief little moment of racist whispering shite is beyond the pale to such an extent that I don't know how she still actually has a career. If our media had any fucking stones or any ethics whatsoever, she'd be completely eviscerated from any um, public platform whatsoever. But here we are. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, she's, she's a full shithead. Um, there was the call the cops on travelers because that's a thing that white working class people love to do. Um, she, there was that tweet that she deleted um, when just into lockdown. Um, she was moaning about how long it took Pizza Hut to deliver. Oh to yes, her. yes. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. um, I forgot. Just, about that. just, just, a, just, just an absolute litany of just the tiniest little stupid things that all just build up into yeah. the worst person about. And all, um, all the sort of hallmark ways of showing that you are actually just a whining upper middle class person who just wants to piss on people who work at Pret. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's, yeah, that, that's that's it, yeah. Um, there was the there was that time when she was in a select committee meeting and they were talking about... Um, I, I believe it, it, was, it was a conversation to do with uh, sex workers and someone said the word sex workers and Jess Phillips said prostitutes. Not once, but twice corrected the term sex workers to prostitutes, so... Thanks, Jess. Um, that's, I mean, to be fair, right, that's just a holdover from the, you know, she she does a column. And, right, this is very obscure. None of people know this, but she writes a column in a national newspaper and she's got this 
kind of you know fictional persona she writes under for it and it's kind of she does it every fucking week and so it's kind of ingrained in her and so when she did that she was really just slipping into her persona as richard littlejohn (laughs) 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 it wasn't really intentional she doesn't believe it or anything it's just you know she was doing it she does it's a it's a paying gig she doesn't have the same yeah, she, she doesn't have the same finances that the rest of MPs get to fall back on, so she has to, you know, prostitute herself to, like, the media with this fake persona that she oh. writes for. Well, actually, on the note of um, funding, etc., um, what if I told you that um, Jess Phillips did quite well for funding in the last year? Oh, go on, David. Make me sad. <laughs> Make me very sad. Jess Phillips managed to raise around £53,000 for her leadership bid. And that's why she's leader of the Labour Party, right? Um, is that still ongoing? No, no, we, we do, we do um, have a new leader of the Labour Party, unfortunately. Um, it's not Jess Phillips, though. Really? Uh, oh. Yeah, really, yeah. £53,000 raised um, through Kickstarter because obviously no donors from big business here, just the people, just so the, that, the fellow working class people are chipping in their money so to on, get that, someone that elected. Have... 53,000, that would have funded her for like a whole couple of months or something, right? For this campaign, if she was really going hard, yeah? I would I would imagine it doesn't cost that much to run a leadership campaign. Well, how long did her campaign go for then? Like, is it still... Like, actually, that, that's fair. As Elijah said, is she still campaigning today? No. That's a lot of money. No, in fact, she was the first person to drop out of the leadership <laughs> candidacy. How long, how long after days? she... 19 days. 19 days. 19 days 53,000 for 19 days that's good money that's almost almost 2,800 pounds a day would that explain why Jess Phillips was everywhere for 19 days there were buses in the streets with her face on them but like you know yeah. it, it, it all got spent during those 19 days right it would explain why she was so raging about why that pizza hut delivery was taking so long because it was a big order if that had went to the wrong house <laughs> like that's a lot of money lost <laughs> I'm just trying to picture what 53 grand worth of pizza would look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, like, surely think, a lot of that's got to go on sides and council pop and other shit, right? If you don't mm. get if you don't get it on offer, then it's about four pizzas. Yeah. <laughs> All right, okay, okay, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, like, yeah, just shithead and fool, and it culminated, like, obviously earlier, that's just because Largely quiet. Um, even though she's actually she has been elevated to a, a minor cabinet role. Um, I thought you were going to say to the Lords, but that would have been too much. No, 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 no. <laughs> we would have covered that. Um, I, I no, she, she has managed to um, get a, a small cabinet role. Um, I believe she's Minister for... Um, or shadow minister, I should say, for uh, women's women's violence, isn't she? Violence against women. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, that's uh, it's domestic violence and violence against women, or something like that. Which, you know, well, I, I'll to be, be fair, I'll be, she does do a lot of work in uh, that area, and you know, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I'll be even handed and say that yeah, she she does actually do a lot of a lot of work in there, and it is largely quite good. Although um, some of our opinions on gender and women on, women's only spaces uh, do left some to be desired, so. Yeah, still look, not, still not great. I look forward. You will get in the House of Lords one day. Oh, for sure. The first ever working class member of the aristocracy, which you know, it's, it's <laughs> going to be, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be very good to see. Finally, Did anyone hear that? Finally, representation. <laughs> Does anybody hear the sound of Alan Sugar 
firing up Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for other candidates uh, for most efficient pro whisperer, I think the first one up is uh, John Harris. Uh, for his riveting series anywhere but Westminster, which keeps encountering extraordinary racists uh, and or people who have switched between Labour and the National Socialistische Deutsche Arbeiterspartei, uh, which is an extraordinary <laughs> accomplishment. And he always finds, d- tends to do this um, on the road, visiting different places, but all those different places do tend to be between London, where he lives, and his parents' house. Uh, John Harris is just it's terrible like, no one in his articles has ever actually been proved to be a real person as far as I'm aware um, so yeah um, has he written about Sophia Moneycote <laughs> ooh that would be yeah if he's, if he's interviewed her oh, this, yeah. this is getting into some sort of cursed Trevor Bastard extended universe stuff now I don't like it um, <laughs> I'm, j- I'm just picturing him writing something like I met a traveller from an antique land who said, to vast and lifeless trunks of stone rise from the rubble of the Corbyn campaign, and just kind of going from there. <laughs> um, I'm going I'm to keep on the same tack as John Harris, so someone very similar who has only just fairly recently entered the, the, the joys of interacting with Twitter quite widely, <laughs> um, is uh, Helen Pidd, or Helen Piss, as she's now known. Um, Wait, what? Helen Piss. Helen Piss. Right, sorry, this is my turn to go. That's not a real name. <laughs> Her name is Helen. <laughs> Helen Pidd. Pidd is a real name. P-I-D-D. Oh, no. Ah, right. Mm. Okay. I must yep. have misheard that. But she's called mm. Helen Piss because she pissed herself in a pizzeria up north. <laughs> 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 she did not piss herself in a pizzeria up north. Was it down south? She did, however, piss all over a fucking paper and get it published so yeah now she's um, doing this series about um marginal red wall constituencies and i can't remember the town she's in it's like an hour north of lee uh, thank you um and essentially like she did a series of interviews with like the typical labor switches uh one of whom was an insane um uh pizza pizza restaurant owner which you know (laughs) and then kept saying this guy is real working class it's like no, he's like he owns the restaurant, and he also had a turned out he had a property developer brother. The other guy she interviewed was a like a, a retired NHS nurse who said that despite my constituency being ninety seven percent white, um, the, the, the hordes are coming, and like you can barely see a white person in the street anymore. And a sixteen year old person from the local school who was really concerned about the the, the size of the deficit. Didn't it turn mm. out that? That Helen was also uh, like personal family friends with yes. the restaurant yes, owner, yes. property developer. Yeah. Yes. And yes. she tabbed him before for the same kind of article. This is what the working class thinks yes, of, exactly. the, of labor. Um, yeah, that's it. Yeah. That that person was Andrew Twentyman. Yeah. Um, again, also a real name. Um, <laughs> just head that on off the now. Was he, was he slightly overweight or. <laughs> No, he has the pizza-making prowess of 20 men. <laughs> <laughs> so he's the one who filled Jess Phillips' order, then? <laughs> Bold of you to oh, imply fuck. that he makes the pizzas as opposed to yelling at the people who make the pizzas. Uh, yeah, mm, ah, yeah, fail. He yells at 20 men, and that's how he has the power of 20 men. <laughs> I'm beginning to crack this capitalism thing. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favourite moments of the year was when people discovered his, you know, Yelp website and I just started leaving and really piss taking reviews like obviously fake reviews 
and he would get really, really mad and respond to like every one of them. Um, yeah, there's, there's a good episode of Real Politic where they cover that. I fully recommend you listening in that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right, and the final nominee that we had that didn't quite make it was Lisa and Andy. Towns, 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 towns. towns, towns. <laughs> That's it. Just t- it's towns all the way down. Um, and nothing really needs said there about Lisa and Andy. Not because it's not really that relevant. That's just because nothing said needs said about Lisa and Andy. Um, <laughs> the next award goes to the. Well, it's, I say it goes to the next award is that these infinite monkeys have no concept of integrity because they spent all their budget on typewriters award for outstanding customer service and client journalism. <laughs> <laughs> so outstanding customer service and client journalism the winner for this one and this is the one where I will argue that democracy doesn't work was Laura Kunzberg hey. uh, I think that's a deserved uh, winner I think that's a yeah that's an okay winner that's the minister for propaganda right pretty much <clears throat> right yeah so um, highlights of this one um the member when during the election, um, one of Matt Hancock's aides got attacked or something by Labour supporters, and then it turns out they didn't. But everybody, including Laura and one of the uh, other nominees, immediately tweeted that Labour activists had attacked a minister. Yeah, it, it was it was one of the more blatant examples of just creating something that hadn't happened out of nothing and using the sheer power of like, you know, presence, stature and platforming to to make it the reality, to make it the news story. Um, yeah, this, which- this was the, the advent of um, literally anyone who said anything bad about the government. If it turns out that they were a Labour supporter at any point in their life, um, it was actually a long con where they'd made sure that they got in that position to do work on behalf of Labour and not just the fact that they also live in this country and have opinions. Yeah, which is doubly frustrating given how often we see actual conservative plants pop up in like question time audiences or shit like this. Yeah. I mean, even the Helen Pitt stuff that, that we just talked about, that's a personal family friend of someone with a vested interest in the status quo and in the institutions of power. You know, like it's being presented to us as a genuine sort of voice that has any actual mm. analytical meaning or insight. Um, and there was a, a bit of a turning point, I think, when it became so obvious and explicit as to what our media institutions were doing and um, doubling down, not just on doing it in, 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 in very obvious ways, but being smug about it and being very blatant with it in a way that just pissed everyone oh, off. Oh, yeah, well... If you want blatant from Kunzberg, I mean, that's that's dead easy. Um, remember when she was commenting about the votes that had been encountered? Oh, yes. Right. This is my favourite conspiracy theory. Carry on. You say conspiracy theory. <laughs> Unpack that. <laughs> <laughs> well, hoisted by my own petard. Is this, um, is this the thing about early postal votes which shouldn't have been opened at that time? Yes. Yes. Although it wasn't about the fact that the postal vote shouldn't have been opened or whatever, it was about the fact that she was reporting on it at the time that she was reporting on it. Well, yes, but they also, like, the results of those early postal votes should not have been available at that point. Uh, You know, they shouldn't have been opened, they shouldn't have been counted at that point, if I recall correctly, right? It was a violation of both electoral rules and breaking perda, I think. It, It was a double whammy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what I understood. And it's the breaking electoral rules is the really scary part. Like, breaking Parada is just, all right, you're an arsehole, okay? You're not meant to be reporting 
on the election result while the election is still ongoing. However, uh, the breaking electoral rules is like, wait a minute, how does she know this? She shouldn't be able to know this. Mm-hmm. Is something going on with the election result there? That's the conspiracy theory part. Mm. And it goes yeah. um, it, it goes quite deep because as it turns out, there was an upsurge in postal votes for the 2019 election. And wouldn't you know it, there's a, a company owned by two former conservatives which has been handling, it's got a contract for handling most of the postal votes. Funny that. Normal. Very funny. Yep. Yeah, so that's um i think that's that's pretty much kunzberg oh there was also the um remember the guy in the hospital who oh, actually God. confronted johnson Christ. um yeah, like that, that was another prime example of the this this is actually a labor fucking um activist or whatever yeah didn't she cause that guy to get death threats and shit oh yeah yeah she tweeted atting him on twitter directly like she directly linked said this is him yeah and he's and, a labor and just the guy's profile like it, get him lads fucking like real life doxing from the minister of propaganda there it's it was insane yeah it was ridiculous it was really fucking vile and also like the, for someone with a child in hospital it's just like what's wrong with you jesus christ and then i think she well, I mean, she defended it and said the people you know have a right to know when a viral story like who the players are and it's like what the fuck? Like, is does, is he not a dad with someone in a hospital if he's ever, like, campaigned for Labour? Like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with her. She's selling her services. Mm-hmm. Well, 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 well. Here's the thing, right? I'm going to move on to the, the honourable mentions. This this is not a defence of Laura Koonsberg in any way, shape or form, as you'll soon hear. I don't think that Laura Koonsberg should have won this award. I personally voted for the other guy. Kodos. Yes, um, the other guy being Robert Peston. Now, the reason that I think that this is an important distinction to make is Laura Koonsberg's absolutely intentional, right? Yeah, um, Laura Koonsberg knows what she's that doing. She does. Yeah, she knows what she's doing, and, and the way that she reports things, she knows exactly what she's doing. She is absolutely 100% in on her intent. However, Robert Peston... A spaniel inhabiting a man's body <laughs> is not. Robert Peston just wants to do the journalisms and he'll say anything if you pay him. Doesn't matter what it is, and that is the true nature of client journalism. Not any kind of material gain other than a wee bit of reputation and a wee bit of money. And that's it. That's all that's all Pesto's looking for. You say a wee bit of money, but doesn't he make like half a million he pounds a year? He makes a huge amount of money, yeah. That's, that's, that, he, could be, he could be making more, I'm sure. Like, if he just really, really went into it. Yeah, and but that's just... Talk to the right just... people and everything else. If he really gets schmoozing into it, like, that would be it. But to no, just do the to just do the bear, here is the client journalism bit. Robert Peston should win this by a mile. No, I disagree because I do think that the difference between knowing what you're doing... Um, and sort of just being a general stooge is important. I think you oh, are. No, much I, I more don't of... think that for a minute Robert Peston doesn't know what he's doing. No, I don't. But think I think Robert he just. Knows I think he just doing. doesn't quite care because it's it's not the primary fucking focus for him. He just wants to do the journalisms. I'm sorry, I can't. I can't help with this any longer. David, how much is Robert Peston paying you for this? Because <laughs> <laughs> right? this this kind of fragrant. Uh, flagrant, sorry, as well. It's both smelly and it's flagrant. 
uh, editorialising of these results is frankly in keeping with the best traditions of a conservative BBC. <laughs> Ooh. See, I don't think I don't think that Roberto Pesto is paying David. I think it's just he, he just really wants to do the journalisms. <laughs> Ah. You can see, you see what I mean, though. Like that, that this is just the, it is just prime, a man blundering through everything and just it, it's useful idiot stuff. Yeah, that's what it's, it is. It's it's powerfully disingenuous to you know go from um, just doing a completely uncritical reporting on the herd immunity strategy to then later on going, <laughs> oh. Where, where was this information two months ago? How could we have known? It's a me, Roberto Pesto. I manufactured the consent. Um, well, <laughs> well one of my, let's uh, let, let's move on. To, let's move on to the other also runs after that. I, I don't want to go down the Italian one. Yeah, one yeah. must kind of route and get us banned. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. Like I mean, I will say one last word on Robert Pesto. He is editorializing, editorializing, mm-hmm. selling his services. He is absolutely 100% the best man for the job. Wait for it. If you are a spad with not enough oversight and a very high up position who wants to leak stuff, he's perfect for that because he'll say anything. Right, let's move on to... um, We'll just fire through again the uh, last of the failed nominees for this category. Um, Other than Robert Peston, we've got James James O'Brien. Yep, makes sense. Yep. Checks yeah. out. Ian Dunn. Very much checks out. Yep. Man with a, a book written in crayon. Um, <laughs> Paul Mason. F- yeah, for being the absolute client journalist of the wet centrist um, Labour Party. Yeah, that's an incredibly weird one. I, I, I remember uh, him being talked about in like sort of decent terms when I first sort of started following yeah, yeah. UK politics. It's, it's, it's a very bizarre sort of transition i mean he oh he's a he's a much more respected author than he is a journalist and you can look forward to me doing a uh, a reading series oh, no. about his uh <laughs> you know acclaimed uh bestseller multi-award winning book rare earth um it's pretty great i got it so we're going to be doing that at some point <sighs> not that <laughs> the editor sighing in advance <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and finally on the list we had harry cole yeah a worthy addition to any list, really, that we're going to present to you today. Shall we move on to the uh, next bit? Yes, yes, let's, let's. The But Dr. Iam Pagliacci Award for Most Enthusiastic Support of Eugenics, despite having only started walking upright on land very recently. <laughs> <laughs> and the winner for that one is, of course, pod favourite Toby Young. Who else would it be? <laughs> Who else would it be? Well, there were actually other contenders for this award, um, but it was, I think it was almost completely unanimous it on this one. It was near unanimous, this one, yeah. 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 The man whose who's head looks like it actually comes out of a book on eugenics. Like, he's... <laughs> his, his, his head, like, looks It looks like, like a textbook entry, you know, and, like, the, 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 it's round here, and then there's angles there and corners there, and it juts out here, like a fucking sketch or something. To me, his yeah. head looks like he's constantly in the process of being born, like he's constantly crowning. 
Like, look, this is all really unfair. He wasn't born with the skull he's got, right? He's just the world's first ever skull transplant. <laughs> and it's, it's you know, it's part of a very impressive, I'm not going to say wise, but very impressive undertaking where a group of eugenicists got together and used an iterative evolutionary uh, development program to basically produce the most eugenically pure skull they could. And although the results they got were pretty weird, they were like, well, we're committed to this. Maybe it'll work. And they got young Toby Young um, and they, they went ahead and they implanted it. And I think the results speak for themselves. Mm. They oh, yeah, they do. do. <laughs> <laughs> Repeatedly and often in so many publications. Please stop. Stop, Toby. Please. Um, the non-journalist um well the non-journalist toby young um the non-journalistic um contributions to the award um that really have, have made him extra extra calipary um he's obviously fully engaged in culture world bullshit all the time um he set up the free speech union this year <laughs> yeah but only for a very specific type of free speech yes yes only only for people who want to say the n-word <laughs> Well, I think that was more, he was just getting quite worried that at some point someone would stop him. So he needed to, like, have some force he could put, call upon because, I mean, have you seen his skull? He's not stopping any bullets with that. Well, and also, he, he, he genuinely needed a new gig. Like, he he got booted from his uh, national student thing a while ago. Or, like, he for, yep. formally booted, I think, only a few weeks ago uh, off of another, like, student advisor board. So, like, he genuinely needed um, a new gig. Yeah, yeah, so I've got a theory about this, and it's basically that Toby Young has always, like, he needs something to go under his name yes. when he's on the news, and General Secretary of the Free Speech Union <laughs> is a lot more impressive than eugenicist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, failed stag do, Harold. Mm. <laughs> oh, I forgot about, I forgot that, about story. that story. Yeah. So, okay, one of the re- like one of the reasons you would join uh, like a proper union, like a, a real union, right, is that they would help you uh, in like workplace disputes and stuff, right? That's one of the main yes. things that mm-hmm. they give you also legal advice, and you have access to things that would also otherwise be too expensive for you. Um, I mean, that, yes. that checks out fine though, because he does work. Like he he is a worker. He works. In a marketplace. No, no, but can I can I ask you how much do you? I mean, I don't know. I'm not in any British Union for obvious reasons. Um, but can I ask you how much you think um, the free free speech union charges you for the gold membership? At which level you have access to legal gold membership? Yes, Tealed union membership. I love it's a it. Fucking um, yes, oh my god! <laughs> so comrades, come rally if you can afford the tier. Getting a oh. joining at the lowest tier just to get a Discord invite. <laughs> Are we sure this isn't his only fan? Seriously, how much do you think it costs to be a gold member of the speech free speech union? Five hundred a month. One um, k. Let's go. One thousand. It's two hundred and fifty quid a year. And by the way, behind the the uh, the legal free, uh, legal advice is an ask, asterisk that says some membership benefits are discretionary, such as pro bono legal advice, and will be conferred at the discretion of the free speech union, depending on the case and the broader interests of the union. So even if you pay the two hundred fifty quid a year, there's no reassurance that you will actually get legal advice from the fucking speech union. Let's be real, you're not. You're no, definitely so wait, what, not. What, what you're telling me is then that the, the lawyer that they've got to give you advice 
if they if they don't like what you're saying and what you've said and mm-hmm. why you're being mm-hmm. persecuted, they will silence the lawyer for you. Yeah, pretty I much. I believe the term they're I mean, looking for is cancel. <laughs> I I suspect they would provide support if it was some kind of contentious, you know, popular culture relevant thing that they could farm for, you know, like likes and clickbait shit. Um, for like you the know. Nazi dog guy. No, no, yeah. but they gave they gave a list of um, reasons of like when the Free Speech Union will come come to your defense. Is is there a is there a frequently asked questions bit on the website? Like, see if if I leave the union before my years membership is up, is there a cancellation fee? Mm. <laughs> Hang on, I'm clicking on it now. Uh, there is no cancellation fee. That's good. Um, some of these commonly asked questions are kind of weird for. Like, um, when when measuring my orbital bone, do I wrap the <laughs> circumference of tape measure around? <laughs> Weird. Oh, fuck's sake. Sorry, just one more bit from the speed, Free Speech Union website, which is amazing, because I'm on the FAQ page now. Um, can on, on the subheading, can you help? Question mark. I've been banned from a social media platform. Can you help? <laughs> <laughs> the answer is probably not. <laughs> it's the something sensitive union for addicted posters. <laughs> I like to imagine that Toby Young opened this, like, it's clearly a front. He opens this front going, that'll be a nice little learner. And now I get to put something on the news when I go on it. I'm, I'm head, you know, General Secretary of the Free Speech Union. And then... The next day, he opens the inbox, going, "I wonder if anyone's subscribed or sent." And it's like nine thousand emails from Grain Linehan saying, "I've been banned from social media. Can you help?" The Free Speech Union is not a trade union, and therefore you don't have a legal right to be represented by someone from the FSU in a workplace dispute. I want Toby Young to represent me in all workplace disputes. Ah, oh, wonderful. <laughs> but like jokes aside about the uh, the free union, the free, free speech union, he is an actual uh, eugenicist um, who wrote mm. an essay in 2015 where he says that hopefully in the future um, parents can like scan babies for having a, a below average IQ, um, and that you know that would make them uh, that, that he called progressive eugenics. Um, so that um, only sorry, like- I just sorry when you said that there, it sounded to me like parents can scam babies rather than scan, <laughs> <laughs> and I just the, the idea of him looking up to a future in which Toby Young can finally scam a baby is wonderful. <laughs> well, like which, which which baby isn't a total simp for the parents? I ask you. <laughs> you can join the baby union for free speech at the cost of five candies a week. Oh yeah. So yeah. Anyway, eugenicist. Yeah. He's, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. He is a genuine eugenicist. Well, he says that um, he, he promotes promotes progressive eugenics, which al- would allow like poorer parents to scan their babies for having more intelligence. And then he says it would actually be better for the parents as well as society because if we all have more intelligent uh, like super babies, and this is a quote, it might make all the difference when it comes to the long-term sustainability of advanced meritocratic societies. Oh, I mean, it's all well and good saying that you want the babies to be more intelligent, but when you only you're only asking for that extra intelligence so that they can consent, and then you can finally get round that <laughs> fucking <uncle. laughs> No, <sighs> like that's really unfair on him. I, I like, I, I'm sorry. I know I'm sticking up for a lot of bastards this episode, but he's like, he's he's not 
he's not trying, right, to get around consent laws. It's that the consent laws were not written with Toby Young in mind, right? And uh, the reason he wants more, like, you know, super advanced babies, right, is because, well, that's what he is, really. He just wants more of his own kind. He wants more baby men and baby women who, like, will suit his needs. It's, it's not think... just that, though. It's not just that. He's not. It's, it's unfair of me to say that he's just, just trying to find some clever workaround to invalidate what consent laws are. Um, because his wife stops him from thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> One day, though, James, Wait, we yeah. will have a society completely composed of boss babies. <laughs> I'm regretting this joke. This was a bad joke to make. I forgot about the wife thing. Oh my God, was he defending Prince Andrew or something? He's, he's, yes, he was. He, he was defending yeah. Prince Andrew, Hoops. and he said, "Hoops the mugs." He said, "Hoops the mugs." If we only had done a pedo, <laughs> if they hadn't been stopped by their wife. <laughs> oh, taking wife guy to a new new zenith. Yeah, Prince Andrew needs someone to sweat on his behalf, and it might as well be Toby. <laughs> this is this is the same wife that wrote a newspaper article about what a fucking baby he is and how hard it is to be locked up with him during yes, coronavirus. Yes, it yes, it is. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, the my husband is unsufferable and here is why for, for your readership. Yeah, um, fucking just... Oh. And then Toby Young wrote an article saying, actually, that article <laughs> was good and here's why. So, honourable mentions. Yeah. Obviously, Brendan O'Neill. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Easily. He he, he just wants to work out me. what's happened to his forehead. Like if, so, well, if to be more fair, caliber so scientists get on the case, maybe he'll one day have an answer. Brendan O'Neill is a man whose superior mind is trying to levitate its way out of his skull one inch at a time. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Toby, the Toby, and the Brendan, Brendan, Brendan. <laughs> 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 oh fuck. Um, oh, fuck it, hell. Um, what are we doing tonight, list... Brendan? Oh, damn. Right, next on the list, um, Dominic Cummings. Obviously, because he hired a bunch of fucking eugenicists. And also, yeah. he published that really weird um, screed that he only want, that he wants to, to populate the, the civil service only with, like, the misfits and the geniuses, which is always, like, code for eugenics, essentially. Yeah, so he he filed that out, and then the first person that it turned out that fit the bill for that um, was caught, like, within minutes of being a massive eugenicist. Like, full-on, we should just start exterminating people material. It was was good. Um, Normal. And we have uh, Michael Gove and his racism bookshelf. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The bookshelf that's full of lots of very um very sus. interesting interesting texts the very first one is the origin of species and the descent of man and then after that it just gets progressively dark <laughs> mm. yeah yeah that, that was a fun fun day on twelve. Um, that was god i ended up arguing with fucking sociology lecturers <laughs> do you do you know by the way who the only person in the world is who's still on this bookcase trip and like post pictures of bookcases and talks about bookcases when the rest of us have moved on like ages ago <laughs> no no have a guess there's one person left on twitter who's still doing the bookcase gag um oh fuck i know who you mean i just ah is it david starkey <laughs> it's not <laughs> It's everybody's favourite crib keeper. It's John Rental. Oh, of course. <laughs> of course. 
the next award is the Ben Shapiro Silica Gel Do Not Fuck Award <laughs> for the most owned. <laughs> See, Jamie couldn't be on this episode, but he still found a way to contribute. <laughs> oh, yeah. So this um, this award this award goes to us and everyone else on the left in the Western world. Yep. Because none yeah. of us, despite a, I think, a very worthy field, a very close field, I think, nobody got as owned um, in the last 12 months as the left did. Um, yeah. Oh, this, this was a long, long short list. <laughs> like, there was a lot of contenders here, but when, as soon as someone said, what about us? Like, that had to win. Um, so... The election in 2019 got fucked. Starmer's now leader of the Labour Party and Bernie's out and it's going to be Biden versus Trump. And the highest point that we have to look forward to at this point is one of them might have an aneurysm on stage while the other one fails to notice. And that's really all we've got to live for now. I don't... Unfortunately, I think we're not going to get debates. I think they're going to... Refuse to debate him, and the excuse is that they're they're not going to platform a fascist. Yeah, that's literally what Pelosi said two days ago. They've learned things, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's actually a lot smarter than I could have given them credit for. Wow. Mm-hmm. I think we're going to get the big handsome sons to be. Oh fuck yeah! I think we're going to get Hunter Biden versus Donald Trump. Fucking Hunter Biden rolling up, but like that would be amazing. Shades and you know a hooker on each arm and a bag of coke, just being like, <laughs> yeah, let's fucking do this. Um, uh, I'm afraid. Wait. I'm afraid you're wrong, Elijah. Meth is his drug. Meth of choice. is a drug of choice. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a Don Junior who's who was like coked out of his fucking mind on the uh, on the stage at the Republican convention. It's not gonna be Don Junior. It's gonna be Baron. <laughs> yeah, but Baron is an Ubermensch. Like, I'm sorry, but he actually is one. <laughs> By that point, Baron will be nine feet tall. And <laughs> Nine feet tall, glowing laser eyes. It's all like <laughs> still a very eerily high pitched voice. For <laughs> oh no, yeah, but we um, are we are by far the most owned this year. The- and you, dear listener, for listening to the podcast. <laughs> yes, you too are owned. You you are also in it with us. We we're all in this together. You may say yes. Um, yeah. Yeah, like, the fact that Bernie has turned around and endorsed Joe Biden because there's a goddamn Cheeto in a goddamn White House credit <laughs> to Mas- <laughs> Matt Christman. Like, yeah, just, we're owned. There's, there's no there's, there's no silver lining in this. We just, yeah, we, Becky we Long Bailey our- got shown the door for, like, quoting someone who said something unoffensive in an article. Uh, yeah, it's all we are. And now it looks like the Tories are adapting, adopting, like, half the John McDonnell uh, economic agenda to get out of the crisis as well. So we are very It's going to be some kind of na- national socialism, is that yes, right? some kind <laughs> of national socialism indeed. There, there is silver linings to this. There are. When you say it's a vacuum, I agree it does suck. But that's about as far as I can go with that. <laughs> All right, shall we move on from the our eternal debates on electoralism? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. We'll, we'll yeah. not be like. Yeah. Let's. Yeah. Um, let's accelerate. To another topic. <laughs> yeah. Let's accelerate to the under nominees because we do. Sh- we should quickly run through them because this was our most yes action packed category. Will. So yep. Honorable mentions for the most owned. 
Jordan Peterson for a Benzo of a year. <laughs> ben Shapiro. Just for I don't, being I don't have anything just self owning. Yep. That was quite a that was quite a dry delivery there, David. <laughs> there Alan Dershowitz. If there was a cell phone category, Shapiro and Dershowitz would probably be in some level of competition for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alan Dershowitz for definitely, definitely categorically not being a nonce and always holding mm. hands on his wife with his wife on the Lolita Express. Andrew Yang. Yeah, for, for thinking the DNC wasn't a reasonable party uh, that would give him anything and then bitching on Twitter that he didn't get um, time to speak at the convention. Amazing. The, the saddest tweet. It's almost like... The saddest. It's like they expected him. They expected him to just give him something just for living, just to provide him with something just for the sake of him being alive and sticking around and being part of the DNC. But they just they just give him something, some yeah. kind of like basic political appointment, some kind of universal basic political appointment. <laughs> uh, really far fetched, naive kind of stuff. May I have a crumb of recognition? Um, also on the list, Cocktig. Yes, for, for just for everything, for from start yeah, to finish, you know, for everything, when I, for all of it. When when I hear Cucktig now, I feel like I'm being insulted somehow. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like people are going, are "You fucking Cucktig," and it's like, "What? What that, is that? Is that racist? Is that? I don't. What? What is that? Oh no, it's not racist. It's the anti-racist party, the anti-Semitic, and uh, the." The anti-anti-Semitic party. That's who... The Semitic party. (laughs) No, no, no. Calling them a Semitic party is deeply (laughs) anti-Semitic. It's the anti-anti-Semitic party. Oh, dear. Uh, Um, Yeah, so just just all of that. Everything from its inception to its execution to its death. Like, all of it just absolutely fucking perfect. Um, Thanks, Mike. Zoomers. Yeah, Zoomers. They get to live through the incineration of the planet and the arrival of the Mad Max timeline, so that's pretty owned. Um, it's cool. They'll be fine. They've worked out how to hex the moon. Like it's 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 okay. That- <laughs> They'll work something out. That, Don't lay that on the Zoomers. That's for Wiccans. That's very different, right? I, I well, they were they were TikTok witches. So like, I can only imagine the Zoomers. And finally, as a last honourable mention. The wonderful participants of the Silver Corp coup against Venezuela. Yes. <laughs> wonderful. Um, Just a coup that that went from um, the opsec of selfies in restaurants, loudly announcing what you were going to do, <laughs> to being face down in the Venezuelan dirt with piss running down towards your face. Yes, they had so much potential. And you pissed it all downhill. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, owned and very owned specifically by a couple of Venezuelan fishermen. Yes. <laughs> Just perfect. Wonderful. Um, and we'll move on to our final category. Final awards. Yep. What was to be the Lifetime Achievement Award until Jamie renamed it which has been renamed as the Joe Biden Memorial Holodeck Award for Longest Stroke. (laughs) And that goes to, of course, Jordan Peterson. Who else would it have been, really? I mean... (laughs) For for someone who is really, you know, as we've said, this is is about um, 
the the greatest achievements of the last year and the man the myth the legend um the lobster <laughs> getting kidnapped by his own daughter uh for benzo addiction and then putting being put into a medically induced coma uh in a weird russian clinic um it's just it's all great uh for his daughter abandoning him in during that uh that time uh to go hung out to go hang out with a pickup artist who's now the father of her child um and for Is not this the be- stalinist yeah <laughs> yes um, <laughs> um i can't believe you went through all that and didn't even mention the all beef diet yeah, sorry i was gonna <laughs> you're right you're right you're right there's just so much it's so much material and it's also a legacy because his daughter is now going through an entire sort of avenue of new content to be honest i don't think there's a lot to s- I'll be honest, I don't think there's a lot to say here. I've never really said much about <laughs> and I don't think I mean, there's not there's not really much to say. Does he deserve the award? Does he not? I don't I don't know really. I mean, who even is this Jordan Peterson? You know? It's not like his life is particularly well documented, he's pretty obscure. I think it's kind of unfair of us to beat on this failed academic who's going through a, a really rough time right now. I mean, for all we know, he could be dead, apparently. I, I heard he got COVID. It's pretty grim. So, no, I got I got nothing to say here. There's, there's nothing nothing needs to be said. I, 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 what else can we say, Jordan Peterson? Just, I think, just... Do you know what? Let's just have... Let's just have a small, short round of applause for the winner of the Joe Biden Memorial Holiday Award for Longest Stroke Lifetime Achievement <laughs> Award. Jordan Peterson. I, I would have shouted speech, but I think it would have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Okay, so, yeah. God damn. Right, okay, so to round it off, um, <laughs> that has been a, a year in podcasting as praxis. So the winners of the praxis, Joe Swinson, the J.K. Rowling and Graham Linehan hive mind, Henry Kissinger, Jess Phillips, Laura Koonsberg, Toby Young, us, <laughs> and of course, Jordan Peterson. Well done. Congratulations to all of the winners. May your next year's yeah. involve not being on our lists whatsoever. Well, what I will say is that I don't know how you guys are feeling, but 2020 already feels three times as long as 2019 and I genuinely didn't think that was possible so I'm really looking forward to what the fuck is going to be on this list next year mm, yeah yeah um, yeah does anyone have anything else to say before we close this out well, just that some of those people no matter what they do next year will still be on a list a little list in a little black book <laughs> in a not so little house in a little St James <laughs> oh. so yeah that's that's been our year um, and if you're listening thank you um, keep on listening we've got more coming out um, the next episode will be uh, with Mick Wright yep. at Broken Bottle Boy on Twitter um, so yeah, look forward to that. We've already recorded it once and failed to actually get it together, so it'll be even better next time. So expect a highly polished episode. <laughs> the joke's always better the second time. Like, like, so. like all our episodes, they are professional and smoothly polished. Mm, yeah, like our brains after recording them. Yes. Um, like yeah, so, skull. <laughs> so, yeah, on that note, um, follow us on Twitter at PraxisCast and we will see you 
next thing. Bye-bye. Bye. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Bye.